Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. The music you just heard was made by my friend Bena. So quite a few things have happened in my life recently. I bought a cool little motorcycle. And days after that, I tore an ACL ligament while indoor bouldering and was on crutches. Then I got better and rode my motorcycle from Austin to Houston to meet my friend. He was leaving Houston for his new academic job in Pennsylvania, and I went with him on the three-day road trip. Then I took a bus from there to New York City, where I spent a couple of days with my friends. I was not feeling great there, so then I cut the trip short and flew back to Houston. On the motorcycle ride back to Austin, I first got stuck in mud and had to call 911 for a cop to come get me unstuck. Then after a while, I skid on some mud again and landed the motorcycle on the same knee with the torn ligament. Then I got up and somehow made it back and was back on crutches. Oh, and the motorcycle got stolen. And then when I got better, I bought another one. So after all this and some more stuff, I'm back at it on the podcast. Lap it up, folks. You never know when this abruptly ends. Okay, so Benam, who composed the intro music, is someone I met at my first 10-day silent meditation retreat. He has a degree in computer science and physics, has learned classical violin and taught it, and also teaches yoga and rock climbing. Benam has appeared in episodes 28.1 through 28.7 to talk about his life and music. And on episodes 9.1 through 9.3, we talked about the simulation theory and his relation to the Hindu idea of Maya, that the world is an illusion. A couple of days ago, Benam took me camping at Enchanted Rock, which is this geological formation some way out of Austin. Hot molten magma from deeper inside the earth has risen up and cooled into solid granite to form this smooth dome. Allegedly, the indigenous people believed that it was sacred and would not walk on top of it. Someone reported the existence of this quote-unquote enchanted rock and the name stuck. So we were hanging out at our campsite in the gathering dark, and I started sharing with Benam an idea that has been pushing inside me for a while, just like the underground magma. And uh, it's the idea that over the course of my life, I have traversed a path from scientific materialist skepticism towards believing more unprovable ideas that are subjective, spiritual, or even paranormal. Since I've seen both worlds and understand a bit of both perspectives, I'm bummed that they stay separate, and I would love to form bridges between them. However, for a number of reasons, it is also starting to seem as if these two kinds of knowledge-slash-experience have certain properties due to which they naturally stay away from each other, like oil and water, which is quite fascinating in itself. Um, I try to explain as best as I can my understanding of this. Okay, so the audio quality was not great. I was sitting farther from the phone than Benam, 
and on top of the ambient noise of the place there began a louder noise of a grill hissing in the background etc um, I tried my traditional noise removal methods, no luck. So then I tried Adobe's new AI-powered noise removal for podcasts. The results are better in that it has equalized the volumes of the two speakers and removed almost all the background noise. However, it has changed my voice and accent to someone who seems older and whiter and definitely less interesting than me. <laughs> and there are some wild distortions. Um, and you'll just have to deal with it. I think if you're after the deepest truths of the universe, which we dispense regularly on this podcast, and you cannot go through a little bit of noise and distortion to access these profound truths, then you have simply not proven yourself worthy yet. But your time may come in some other life. What a great new podcast intro. I love that. Is it rolling? It's it's rolling. Alright. Alright, we're rolling. We're rolling the heaping. So Basically, what I want to talk about is um, when I was growing up, I used to believe that like religiosity, for example, uh -huh. and like what I call blind belief or like if you ask people like, oh, is there a God? A lot of people like had faith or whatever, and they would say they believe things that they could not prove or show or demonstrate to me. Uh, how that was so stupid. So, you know, I grew up pretty kind of like rational and like whatever you would call why did, scientific rationalism. Sure. Well, why, why did you think that was stupid? Um, why did I think that that was stupid? I was like, why are you like believing a thing that you cannot demonstrate as true, you know? Like, I guess at the time I had beliefs that were all like mostly like demonstrable. So it never made me like question my own beliefs. So I'm like, okay, this is a standard. So I think it's like pretty stupid that kind of not following a standard. So I would like willingly like get into arguments with people who come from that perspective. And basically what I'm trying to say is, um, so I did that scientific thing for a while. And then certain like weird stuff started to happen that was, that shouldn't have been happening according to the criteria of that, that mind, you know, which was like, okay, your beliefs are wrong, blah, blah. There are certain things that started to happen where I started to take on those beliefs that no, I had a example. Hmm? Can you give an example? Um, yeah. What is an example? Um, okay. Well, I guess, okay, one good example would be, this is the example around which we were centering that discussion before. It was this energetic phenomena. There have been some 
recent um, incidents in my life where it felt like I was communicating energy with people or trees or something like that. And that energy is something that is like non-verbal, it is invisible, and, but it communicates like real information. This is something I would not have believed before. And this is something that I believe now. I do have a couple of other like wacky beliefs that the scientific community would not agree on using this process of verifying what is objective truth. Yeah, that, the thing that I was subscribing to um, as the only means of knowing what is true. So now I have some of these waves. And the thing is, so it seems like I crossed over a bridge from one side of the river to the other. And when I was on that side, I was basically, how do you say, deep crying or what? What's that word? Sure. Yeah. I was basically um, really like rejecting all the people who were on the other side. And I have crossed over. In fact, I'm not the only person. There's so many people who are on one side of that bridge, like on the side of science, let's say, mm-hmm. who are like completely rejecting the other side. And there are a lot of people on like the religion side who are rejecting the science side. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I wasn't, I'm not the only person who came up with that divide. It's like this big gulf between the two worlds. Mm-hmm. And now that I've crossed from one side to the other, I feel like, damn, it would be so cool if these two worlds could be bridged into like a greater truth. Mm-hmm. And um who better than me to like take a crack at it from my perspective? Because luckily, I have been on both sides. So from my personal experience, I can empathize with both sides. So I would really like to do the best possible in order to bridge this world of like scientific objectivism and whatever woo-woo subjectivism, name your religious. Um, so I was like, um, actually... I have this like rare, this rare circumstance where I have been on both sides. Mm -hmm. A lot of absolutists on either side have only ever been on their side. Mm -hmm. But I have the experience of having been on that side and coming to this side and seeing why both are true. This is a perspective that's kind of like rare. So I want to, I want to do it. So that's like a goal in my head, you know, to bridge the two worlds. Mm -hmm. But as I try to do it and as I'm seeing more clearly, more and more of this subjective woo phenomena of the kind that other people had said, oh, I can't explain to you. I can't prove it to you. I just know it's true. And I had like, you know, just found that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to see why all of those claims were like true. There are some of these things that are non-communicable, that are non-reproducible. You cannot empirically do that same experiment again. The next person will not have the same experience. But I totally believe it. It's like my belief is like kind of out of my control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, well, so so it's like it's none of those things. Yet you believe it, and that's because oh, uh, I would say there are two reasons. One I would say is that there are the things that are to be believed here are not objective claims. Yeah. They are subjective claims. The things that are to be believed for me is that, yes, I did actually have energetic communication mm-hmm. of information between myself and this particular girl called Olivia that I met in a Boston hostel. Mm-hmm. 
This is truth, by the way. So, ah, that's the only thing that needs to be believed. <coughs> I um don't need to. Hang on, wait. What was your question again? Uh, just yeah, um, like uh, oh, why do I believe it? Yeah, yeah. So that's the only thing that needs to be. I don't need to believe that that's going to happen between any two people mm -hmm. at all times. And if you were there at the time and you said, I didn't feel any energy, I'd be like, that's true. Mm -hmm. You didn't. The only thing that needs to be believed is my subjective experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm not fighting with science to say that this is objectively true. I'm saying this is a subjective phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And it happened to me. In the same way that I can say, I listen to that music and I believe that I like it. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is like, even... Like, if an experience that an individual has is not communicable, um, falsifiable, or, like, following those criteria, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, was what you're saying. It exists for that individual. Yeah, yeah. and you're saying that's that's something that before you wouldn't have believed in, and now, now you do because you yeah. had experiences like that, yeah. or become aware of the experiences that you do have that. Yeah, like that. basically, those kinds of phenomena that I had only heard other people subscribe to began happening more and more mm -hmm. with me. Yeah. And basically the thing is, the thing that I'm seeing is that it's not the fault of one, um, you know, in this analogy, there are like these two, right, sorry, science and religion on either bank of the river. Mm -hmm. It's not the fault necessarily of either population mm -hmm. that they cannot bridge with the other. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a rather intrinsic nature of the kind of information about the universe that I'm talking about that it likes to stay separate. Maybe you could say to increase the tension of the drama of the cosmos. You know, there is this apparent fracture down the middle of the universe where part of the information presents itself in one way. Part of the other information presents itself in another way and apparently conflicts. Well, I have, I have a question for you about the the, the way it presents. Like, I mean, this is something I think we talked about in the car a little bit. It's like, uh, how, how, like, from the human, the personal human experience, has that divide always been there? Wait, could you ask that again? What? Like, like, in the way in the way these two kinds of information present like we we now have a lot of tools um or science has a lot of tools that allow us to sort of split apart and and um uh sort yeah from from our human experiences those which can be extracted and put into the realm of science and those that just remain within our own heads basically and so i'm wondering like like how how intuitive or obvious is that distinction or is it more something that like we humans who have grown up in modernity have gotten really good at at distinguishing yeah i think that's actually a great question i mean the answer would be speculation because you would have to know the actual history of beliefs mm -hmm. to give a definitive and true answer to that question but my speculation is that subjective 
beliefs always existed, mm-hmm. like from the moment that you're born to, to the point where you're able to have any formative thoughts about the nature of your experience, you can have certain verbal or non-verbal beliefs. Mm-hmm. For example, it would be like you could believe that that particular forest is scary mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. So those are subjective beliefs. And I think subjective beliefs is just like a fundamental truth of just like being conscious and having experiences. Mm-hmm. The thing that had to evolve is objective belief, which is requires like language and communication and a certain quote-unquote scientific method of going about and doing empirical investigations in the world and then deciding on the standards of what you're going to believe and say, hey, uh, if this pendulum swings side to side, it takes this amount of time. And the other person says, what time? It feels too long. Because uh, that other person is like, easy to bored. And you're like, okay, okay, no, that's not what I mean. Now we have to invent a watch. And so it takes about this. The, every time it goes back and forth, the watch hand goes this much. So you have to invent all of these things before you can arrive at a statement that can or cannot, sure. that people may or may not objectively agree on. But it feels like a later evolution. Yeah. You know, and even when that objective that that wave of objective facts start to arrive on the human psyche, they still have subjective beliefs. Like today we have objective and we have subjective. But the dogma of science sometimes is like, no, actually neither. So we as to the nism. But I think that's because like probably before like like what science has had to do is carve out its its niche uh, from from the realm of subjective human experience, even probably after we had language, right? Like communicability and even consistency are are just as um, prone to like non-scientific views of the world or views of, of some sort of experience, mm-hmm. right? Like you can think about like worshiping the planets and the solar system or the gods or like the sun gods or whatever like those are those are based on on certain externalities but or a certain consistencies yeah but our interpretations of them still extend into the realm of subjective experience yeah beyond right you know what i mean so so i think like i guess like to me it's like the and the act of science has been has been carving away and out out like being able to construct a reality outside of our heads that we can use a web of external relations um, to point at and to point at those consistencies and to point at like those those yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say a little bit more about is I was talking about how this like the subjective world and the objective world. You could use other terms for this. I'm like generally, I'm, you could say like science versus religion. Or you could say the conscious versus the unconscious, or the regular versus the magic. Yeah, these two feel like they're kind of they repel each other. Right, that's how it starts to. Like, I'm just trying to create a model for why are these two so divided? As because I think they're kind of repulsive. Like, they have certain intrinsic properties in the way that they operate that mm-hmm. repels the other. So. It's like oil and water. They, their very physical nature is such that they do not want to mix. So if you investigate the nature of these sources of information, 
I'm starting to notice like that's what my that's what my cribbing was about. It's like, okay, if you know this truth, why can you not communicate it to me? Mm. And I never got a good answer or what I can thought was a good answer. And now I'm starting to understand some good answers for why these kinds of whatever like spiritual truths or uh, energetic truths are not communicable. Like one of those things is this is a sort of an intuition. I have had, I have yielded to the temptation of doing some of this like energy exchange demonstrations mm -hmm. because my mind just fucking wants to bridge these worlds, you know. Mm -hmm. I started thinking about experiments once I had a couple of personal energy experiences to the point where I was like, I don't doubt it anymore mm -hmm. for myself. So I'm like, okay, what kind of experiments can be uh, designed? I was like, okay, if I'm actually able to feel the energy of a tree, then would we put put a plant in a box, nothing in the other one, and you have bring a proficiently energetic and sensitive person in that room. They should be able. We would be able to tell with greater than fifty percent accuracy which one has it. Mm -hmm. So, basically, to go forward on the hunch of what I think is already true and design an experiment so that it gets the gets scientists foot in the door. You know, if you actually publish that. People will be like, okay, now I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd be like, what is that? Yeah, what is that? Now I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying it is this. I'm saying, hey, look here. Mm -hmm. Just look into it. Do you, so do you... I've been interested in like bridging that yeah. gap. But I've also started to feel certain things like these like wool phenomena. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be shy of Demonstration and proof. What does shy mean? Like none of the natural laws are shy of you going in and trying to test it out. But some of these laws have to do with, I think, psychic energies and things like that. Like it depends on how you're feeling in the moment. And if you're feeling like a big white light is about to be shining on you to see if you are who you are, then you're going to kind of go back into the dark. Your intuition, your intuition is, is not... Yeah. Fully online. So, for example, in trying to do this, like, energy demonstrations, I noticed that I will have a harder time reaching the energy of a skeptical person. Perfect. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, this is how this shit keeps working and keeps keeps itself separate. Mm -hmm. You know? Okay. It's not really a contradiction, but it's just the way that it works. Is it to the skeptic? These things will not reach. Is it? That's <laughs> like, dang. Have you still thought about trying to like uh, construct some kind of experimental? Yeah. Oh, the other feeling that I've got it is that I should not try to demonstrate this or tell too many people or demonstrate this, or something like that. I have had that feeling, and I don't know why I have that feeling. But I spoke to another friend of mine who has had similar energetic stuff happen, and I told her I feel like I shouldn't be demonstrating or trying to prove or whatever. And she said that she felt the same way, and she didn't know why she felt that. Welcome. So, like, it was like, it's like this information like self-sensors 
Do you think also though it's like maybe like the mustard? Yeah, it's in one of these buckets. The culture we live in today feels hostile towards it. Yeah, yeah, it feels hostile, but it is also a certain kind of truth which cares very much about the environment in which it will be released. Like, um, if you ask like a different kind of scientific question, which is along the lines of some objectively measurable thing, doesn't matter how many people are culturally hostile to it. Sure. You go in and make the measurement, you win a measure back. Okay. But in this case, the culture being hostile to it actually snubs out the evidence mm-hmm. of of the phenomenon because it's like the phenomenon fades back mm-hmm. in the face of skepticism. That's what like if you have to write down some if you have to begin to write down some laws of this alternative weird kind of energy or phenomena, if you have to characterize it in the same way that our physical natural laws have been characterized, one of those laws would be that it is sensitive to its reception. Yeah. Well, and it changes according to the quality of the minds which will receive it or not. That's not true for the other kind of. And I guess when you think about it, it does make some lot of sense because, like, it's. Like, that kind of, like, transference really is, is requiring openness from both ends, right? So, so <laughs> even, even if, like, the. So, so the act of the receiver being skeptical, the person who is, like, giving off the energy feel unwelcome yeah. right so it's like they're they're they are as an instrument they have changed yeah like as as the the, the producer thing you know so i think it's like that yeah that makes sense that it would be contingent yeah there is definitely an observer yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we have women began to touch the surface of the observers like in cervical phenomena it is like you know, in the quantum in the quantum limit, really. But this is like this world. Yeah, it's like completely in that domain. Yeah, where it's like the observer effect is dominated effectively, not a limiting effect at the end of. Yeah. Well, it's it's look. There's not even like it's the observation. It is the method of transference. Yeah. So 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 and and that can have many different qualities. How you observe. So so it's like there's. Yeah. You're you're deciding. You can almost say that these kinds of uh, incumbent that I'm talking about is is. I think you can also count states as one of them. Okay. It's not like a one list loop of information just being transmitted and you're just receiving it, and it doesn't matter regardless of who it receives. This is a thing. It's more like an interaction between the source and the sink that creates that isolation. Indeed. So. My faith is created not just now to you. So it's it is very subjective in its in its very nature. It's more like a a willing interaction of the two, and I don't know if you can call one the source and the other the state mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, because when you are let's say feeling into the energy of the tree, it's not so much that you're just standing there. Da, 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 I don't feel anything. You are willingly extending your energy tendrils and the trees and the handles it needs and you have this mission to make. So 
it's got this like kind of meeting co-creation type of uh, nature to it. Yeah. Which makes sense why just pure skepticism doesn't bed. Yeah. And why would be That's like not what it's meeting. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> the other ones, what you can say is that when we extend ourselves towards the universe, what meets us is dependent on what we extend. Perfect. If we extended physical skepticism, then the physical world might sit. If we extend like this energetic curiosity, then like energy makes it. And it's just different wavelengths of seeing the universe. Like if they have mass, we will be able to have a, a mass related or gravity related response field of the universe. But if we are uncharged, we will never get a picture of the charge or being. Yeah. So, you know, like neutrinos sense the universe through laughs, but they don't have any picture of the universe in the talk. Sure. So, because they have to have the same thing in order for the interactive to happen. Taking that could be. Yeah. I don't know. I just had the thought that I should note down a couple of these things. Yeah. Because it feels like, um, to me personally, it feels like very gratifying to be able to resolve disputes. Yeah. And even though it seems like kind of the universe doesn't want me to resolve it. <laughs> Another part is like fucking red the tunnel. Well, it, it doesn't even sound like it's that the universe doesn't want you to resolve it. It's just that the the parameters for there's a there's a certain intrinsic incompatibility. Yeah, but I think there is also some of that will also because. Like I was saying, why why do I feel like I should not demonstrate persons? Mm -hmm. Where is that feeling coming from? Indeed. And I don't know. Indeed. So I feel that this is going to sound. Do you, do you think, well, do you think, okay, go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. I feel like we're like manifestations of the universe and its pattern and the laws and its will. Mm -hmm. And all this like subconscious thing, like, oh, I should not do this, mm -hmm. is an expression of like what going to work once. As we need it to us. Sure. Do you think also that it's just like, you know that like, because it is so contingent on the energy of the other person, if you just, if you did go throughout, uh, uh, and doing these experiments, we just even met with a lot of skeptics and it wouldn't work. Yeah. I like, if I keep trying to demonstrate this, the power of it will be gotten. The phenomenon will stop happening. Or, or rather like, it's like. If you're just using the objective lens, it will appear inconsistent. Yeah. Right. So like, like to to the to the like the purely scientific observer, yeah. they're like, there's no effect here because they're not willing to yeah. allow for the subjectivity and, and the interaction. Yeah. It shouldn't be that, but I also feel like my experience that it's happening, that that phenomenology will also stop. Like at some point, I'll be like, oh, well, this is not happening. Right here. And that's because I forced. I made that attempt to like lead bear on the scientist's table and I'm getting a feeling that I should not do that. That this is not for that. Yeah. 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 Where is this thing coming from? I don't know. But I've heard this similar feeling echoed mm -hmm. by others. 
And this is one of the things that would cause him suspicion at that time. It's like, wow, that's very convenient. <laughs> you see this random thing, some the unsubstantiated. And if I ask you to prove it, you're like, no, I don't want to. That just tells me it's just like, cook something. This side is like, oh, that's exactly what it feels like. With this side, I don't want to get hit. Rupert. Yeah, they're just done. Yeah. Like in my mind, I would like to go time travel back to a younger news. And I know that younger Neil is quick to view this current Neil with a lot of like, the fuck really be that? And I would like to meet and take young. <laughs> Let's sit down. I think we can both come to the same page. Do you think so? like, uh, it's, it's getting hard. <laughs> I think young Neil will understand. If I say, hey, are you willing to believe that what I'm saying is the truth of my experience? Mm. This is how it feels. I'm like, oh, this starts who I got asked before. Bang. Okay. Yeah, and I guess like the 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 purest, deepest skeptic would say, I believe that that's like the truth of your experience, and that ultimately, if we had more scientific knowledge, we'd have completely explain it with science. Is that it? Had the skeptics? Yeah, I I mean, I feel like I've not given up on any bit of science. I don't disbelieve in particularly science. It depends when you see that. It depends a little bit on what you mean or inspired by science. Um, if you mean that there is a certain method that we follow to find out what is true, mm -hmm. I hope that current day science can become interested in expanding its method towards more subjective domains. Instead of just saying none of that is true or none of that matters or it's irrelevant. And if we do that, even then, I'm not sure if we will be able to explain all of that. Mm -hmm. There can be some like intrinsic mystery to certain phenomena in terms. But I guess like like certain the phenomena resists this kind of verification more than others. Yeah, I guess like the like the hardliner would say though is like if we had sufficiently sophisticated model of the brain of your brain. Yeah, we could just know. We we would be able to look at it and see that whatever patterns correlate to whatever this is you're describing and experiencing. We go, oh yeah, it's this thing, and and we can identify when that happens in other people's brains, and we can also identify what's happening in the skeptic's brain that's not allowing them. This phenomenon that I'm talking about and the response, the organistic energetic response, mm -hmm. this energy transference that was happening, kind of assumes that you would be able to find its entire signature in the brain, sure. in the neural pyramid. But the, um, so I would say that's one of the open questions is that is it is it here are like different aspects of your mind-body mechanism that is engaged in this energy send receipt is it just the brain you did also I don't know God you are like vascular scan yeah. all the other stuff some systems and also is there some quote-unquote energetic system within the body which you know, there are all these books with like these chakras and things like that. Is there actually some such thing as like an energetic series of centers within the body, which do not show up in any of our physical measurement devices, but the only thing that it responds to is like energy cues. And we don't have devices today to measure that kind of energy. We know how to measure like electromagnetic energy, 
kinetic potential energy is the derivative of but the thing that measures kinetic energy consciousness will be measured in a chromagnetic energy yeah the thing that measures visible light cannot measure radio waves so what if this is some other kind of energy that we haven't very device to the time detect yet yeah. and if we start doing that maybe we'll find different centers within the human body not the brain maybe or maybe overlapping with the brain who knows but just a different map mm-hmm. of where these energy centers are mm-hmm. and if you can make a picture of that you might be able to say oh during this so-called energy and this blah blah energetic events we see this stuff right here happens but we didn't have a picture for it yet mm-hmm. yeah i mean again yeah, you think back on like electromagnetism even that is very new yeah to the to the human experience to have as as a mapped out understandable codifiable yeah so i do kind of wonder if that energy system of the chakras is it really like you know there are these deep space photographs so you can have various wavelengths then one wavelength you will just see one thing and go to radio wavelength looking at the same data see some see something else and the thing is just because a certain amount of space is taken up in one image by let's say a certain wavelength of energies doesn't mean that it's not available for other energies also in that same location yeah it is like swap out the lens and you put on the different lenses like oh at this thing kind coexistent with all of those energies and those frequency what this energy also declares so the fact that we go inside the body and we see tissue and muscle and bone doesn't preclude the existence of other things which we don't have a lens career like we know that not only is it muscle and tissue now there is electromagnetic waves going through it from all the nearby cell phone towers or whatever so if i like to crease just the space over your body it would be not just the visible things mm-hmm. it would also be this waste but we would have to have a different you know pair of lenses and mm-hmm. so we used to so say that there isn't other ones energy centers that move around with the body that are part of the body so far invisible but like a hologram it occupies the same space as the physical physical mass sort of yeah and if you're in a science for that which maybe we did yeah engine like i don't know what yoga is but to be something like i uh, cuz of what do you think about that yeah no i think i think it's like very plausible you and elite i think it's yeah i think it's very like easy in a like knowledge saturated world to be like not open to the idea that along the the line of progress we are not at the very end or yeah do you feel like in the description of like this the me and my attitude and whatever i've said prithen that i'm but you got to give me your honest opinion do you think i'm contradicting or going against science in any way in your opinion in my opinion we no no cuz it's I, i think like you're we talked we talked about how like the thing from a truly like the scientific perspective solipsism is like 
actually the most like tenable position <laughs> and i think that's like what what you are trying to be aware of and open to is your actual experience and even those parts which don't immediately map onto things that we already have like full-blown scientific models and answers and, and explanations for uh, And I think that that's, that seems like a reasonable, and, and it, again, it doesn't seem to contradict. Yeah. I mean, here's the other angle to this. It's like, hey man, all I see is this dream world, uh, apparently in a dream. Oh. There are these green creatures that come and say they have something called signs. Which <laughs> matches the patterns that I see. And to a different extent, it doesn't match the patterns that I experienced. My experience is the primordial truth. And therefore, what do I care if these green creatures, quote-unquote, beliefs don't match my life? I don't have to believe it's just them. It's just a dream. Well, what is to disprove that? So, frown. I think it depends on what becomes important to you. Also, tight ground. If it becomes important to be like, hey, I'm just going to call truth that which I am experiencing. And it's not important for me to change these other creatures' minds. When Egypt kind of had to stop doing it. Yeah. But I think that's, that's maybe the big difference is it's like, like we're now at the point where it's almost like dogma to say that truth is not that what you're that which you're experiencing. It's it's that which you can communicate, verify, blah blah. blah all the all the the you know. Yeah, I feel like I don't feel any conflicts with my scientific self when I go on this path because I keep like um, <laughs> science is like the honest struggles to know the truth. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, the things that I seem to be rubbing up against and will probably continue to rub up against in my scientific career is what seems to be sort of dogma. I swear the first sounds of food. Like whatever I would come up against where scientific people say, man, that's, that's, oh, what did Sarov say? He said, that's baloney. <laughs> he said, that's baloney about some other belief of mine. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever the belief that's baloney, if I continue my investigation works at Lukbar, how do they know that I am wrong? I never get a scientific answer. Mm-hmm. So that indicates to me that I'm not really rubbing up against science. Right. I'm rubbing up against a culture and psychology surrounding. Yeah. Which which rejects anything that isn't already in the canon. Yeah. So I'm like, what is your scientific artificial to clear about from the And I I don't get good answers. <laughs> so, I feel like that's like kind of staying true to science itself. Like, okay, give me a bedroom then. Yeah, and I think it's, it's more interesting to say, like, okay, well, I'm having these experiences and, like, I don't want to, like, ignore them because they don't really fit yeah. into my worldview. Yeah. I actually think sometimes science requires you to rebel against 
scientists to be. And historically, that had happened again and again. Yeah. What's that guy's uh, book about paradigm shifts? Yeah. Yeah. We have neither theory nor experiment. That is interesting to like, have this, like, not consistent phenomenon, but, like, this, you know, like, inconsistent in the sense that it, like, humans seem to keep having these kind of experiences. Um, and then just to be like, yeah, there's just it's this. It's all in their heads. In in some sort of, like, vague Yeah. I guess difficult because it's like usually being you when you're having those experiences the 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 ways to communicate about it available are ones that are couched in juxtaposition to science. You know, so oh this isn't a religious experience and the scientists are like, Oh well no no, we don't do that here anymore. Uh-huh. As opposed to just being like, This is an experience and, okay. and it's doesn't have to like like you, you can, starting from like with you know trying to explain from first principles whatever it is and and not latch on to the language you've already created to try and communicate those experiences yeah. is very difficult. Commonized audience, some buttered toast. Podcast listeners, you can't see this, but there is a feast before us, oh. which must be consumed. Thanks for hanging with Benam and me in the room of lives. Take care. Until next time. Thank you.